find what makes you different from everybody else and do a movie about that. Welcome to Work Mode, a series of conversations with leading creators on how they get their work done. I'm Alex Nemiroff, co-founder of Dynamo, a digital agency in Montreal. Welcome to Work Mode. Today, I have the extreme pleasure of speaking with the world-renowned film director, Michel Gondry. He's an Academy Award winner for Best Original Screenplay for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He's creator and director for countless groundbreaking music videos for Daft Punk, The Rolling Stones, The White Stripes, and Bjork, to name only a few. He's created ads for companies like Levi's, Adidas, Air France, Among many other things, we get to talk today about his home movie factory project, this really fascinating experience that he brought to Montreal. Uh, It's been in Tokyo, Paris, Sao Paulo, New York, Moscow, Cannes, Casablanca, all over the world, obviously. Uh, It's this really incredible experience that only could come, I think, from a mind like his. We get to cover that, and as you'll hear, a lot more. Please enjoy this conversation with Michel Gondry. I want to get into creative process in a second, but before I do that, I'm kind of curious, you know, everyone thinks about Michel Gondry as having this very childlike perspective on things. And you obviously famously said you're, you're, you're 12 years old forever. This happened because uh, my girlfriend at the time noticed that every time I was uh, reminiscing from my childhood, I would say, oh, that, uh, this happened when I was 12. And she told me, so you've been 12 forever. <laughs> so I took the title from her. So the idea of this kind of like childlike wonder and perspective that comes through in your, in your work then, in situations like this, when you're doing press conferences and interviews and all of the stuff that is not your creative work, how does that feel? Do you feel like an adult going through these things or do you wish you didn't have to do any of this? No, I like it actually. Oh, well, really? uh, sometimes it's too much and I get tired, especially when you do a movie, as a, a big movie even even more. You get all the uh, journalists one after another for 10 minutes. It, it's never, it never ending. And then they ask the same question again and again. Right. But uh, when it's uh, like this configuration uh, and we can talk about uh, things in more depth, then it's interesting because I, uh, I really try to find the right answer, the genuine answer. It's, uh, I could say introspective, but it sounds a little pretentious. <laughs> Not to me. I like that because it, it makes me feel like you treat this with care. So, so let's go into the, the home movie factory and, and, and why you're here. This is an idea that you founded, you've brought to all of these different cities, uh, you, you've kind of you know, toured throughout the world. And I read about the objectives that kind of come with this. I think right away of, oh, this is kind of like be kind, rewind for everyone. Everyone can come in and do their own thing. Is that how this started? Where was the germination of this thing? Well, there were many occasions that uh, I had this, this idea. Cool. So be kind, rewind was really the last time I got this idea on that 
kick the project uh, off the ground. Other than that, uh, there were many occasions, like for instance, when we were kids or adolescents, we had uh, spent a weekend uh, shooting uh, a little clip on movies, uh, fake news uh, with my cousin and friends. And uh, it was really super hilarious to watch it. And my brother lent this tape uh, to a friend so anyway, the guy recorded a football game uh, on the, over it. So I was so frustrated that I, I thought someday I have to <laughs> take a revenge on that. Uh, and another uh, time the idea came to me was uh, when I moved into Paris. Uh, in my district, there were uh, a lot of abandoned movie theaters. Like there was this big one that was turned uh, into a shoe store. Another huge that was... Uh, turn into a, a gay discotheque. Uh, so, but I was thinking it would be nice to take one of these theater, sort of fix it a bit, uh, then give a camera to the neighbor, the, everybody live next to it, they shoot whatever they want, and then they project it, and they pay their ticket to watch it, and with the money uh, that we could would collect, uh, they could shoot another film and so on. Cool. So there are many occasions where I had this, this idea. And it's amazing because that starts from such a, you know, a place that I can relate to and probably a lot of people can relate to, you know, like experimenting and running things like that. But to yeah. turn it into this very real, rather large endeavor, obviously that's that's a giant leap. And I, and I listened to, you, you know, some of your past interviews where you talk about just going for it and taking chances. And it seems to me like this is another occasion of that. This is someone saying, well... I'm going to go for it and just do something different. Yeah. I mean, it's that's the thing when you try to bring something to life. Uh, so you can be selective and uh, demanding and nervous when you think of the idea. But when you decide that you're going to make this idea in the real world, then you have to ignore this feeling you had in the beginning. Amazing. Because if you let this feeling take over, then you do nothing. And even if you, at some point, you think, oh, this is shit, really, I don't know why I went this way, you really have to block it. Right. So that's what happened. I mean, my goal was to find a sort of a protocol that drive people uh, to make this sort of a creative uh, work as a group. And the idea that you put 10 people together, they go into this box, and then the film comes out. <laughs> uh, but the idea is that it works on its own. There is no outside uh, intervention to, to help. Uh, that was what intrigued me. I mean, that was one of the different elements that right. interested me. You, you just touched on so many things there that I want to jump on. This episode is brought to you by the World Class Experimental Laboratory, Quartier de l'Innovation, an innovation ecosystem that aims to increase the city's creative potential located in the heart of Montreal. This idea this is for everyone. In other words, it's not for filmmakers. In fact, when I talk to people about it, they say, oh, I guess this is for filmmakers in Montreal, yeah. but this is really for everyone. What's the perspective in there? Why does that matter to you that this is for people that are not necessarily just filmmakers? Well, there is different reason. In terms of the quality of the result, uh, it's actually more surprising and interesting when people come from outside the creative yeah. world, the, the film industry and so on. And also there is a guilt uh, 
of being able to make a living out of this creativity and wow. this like hobby basically to earn a living from a hobby uh, <laughs> as most people uh, do a job that they're not really so excited about. Hmm. So uh, it's it sort of a way to give back a tiny bit. I mean, it's just a drop, but that's one of the motivation. Yeah. The other thing that I think this is conducive towards is a belief in yours that, I, that I've heard, and that is this belief in imperfection, getting away from this idea of perfectionism. And, you know, you're going to go into this thing. People are going to go into this as a group for three hours. And I think as somewhere I read that, you know, it's going to be one take per sequence, essentially. Yeah. And I relate that back to, for example, when you were working on that, the Chomsky film, Is the Man That Is Tall Happy? And you talked about animating and being happy that you couldn't correct things, you know, yeah. that, that it would come back and you'd say, oh, I would love to correct it. That was my gut, but I was happy not to. How does that imperfection play into the, the importance of this thing? Um... I mean, before I used to say, but that's silly, that's a silly answer, uh, that <laughs> I uh, prefer quantity over quality okay. because right. quantity lasts and quantity doesn't last. Right. It, it changes with the fashion. Uh -huh. Interesting. But I mean, that's a silly answer. Uh, the idea that, I mean, it's like if you, it's an image, but if like you, you draw on sand, Right. So you just have one try and you're going to live with it. You know what? It's my son who told me that in a way. He <laughs> is a very good artist and he draw. So uh, he told me when you do a drawing, you just have to, uh, because I was drawing with many lines like that. <laughs> and he told me, no, you have to do only one line and you have to live with it. Oh, man. So it's something that I took. Uh, I mean, you, I think it's good to learn from your children. They, yeah, they, I like that. They have very good concept so there is a sort of beauty in the sense of uh, uh, the first try uh, and when if you try again and again and again it's another territory absolutely i don't think that it's it's not as good right uh, it's different but for instance if you come back to the what i call the protocol of the home movie factory which are the rules that uh, the participants have to go through to work together and create this film. The protocol itself it's, has been done and redone and redone right. and redone. This is a part of the project that has been very carefully crafted and improved over nine years, little okay. by little. So it's not all, uh, you know, uh, glue, scissors and cardboard. There is some elements that are really... Uh, uh, and it doesn't show really, uh, but to me it's important. It, it's, and I think it's why it's successful because people uh, always have a good time and uh, they are aware that uh, what they're doing is not a masterpiece. Right. But they're aware they're having the be best time. Uh, is the, it sounds like the masterpiece though is not that important. In other words, it sounds like what you want people to get out of this is not the film. It's no. It's other perspectives. Or I mean, you, it ne you never know. Some films have been a masterpiece, like art movies, and uh, but most of the time, uh, it's it's just people having fun. Uh, and uh, the idea that you come here or you have this anxiety, and uh, on, on, on I've been doing maybe ten films uh, over the years, uh, I mean participating, mm -hmm. and for me it's different because my anxiety is as well if the system gonna work because it's my system right. but <laughs> right. for the normal person uh you come here and you think how 
what um, I, I will have to do. I have no idea. And then I have to act in front of the camera. But right. just when you start to sit, you sit in the first workshop, then you realize all that disappeared. And, uh, and I, I really like when I visit the, the factory because there is uh, the first workshop when you have to decide of the genre, the title of the film, and then the beginning of the story. Like you hear people laughing. Right. And then uh, it gets more active in the second workshop when you finish to write the story and start to write the scenes. And then you see them shooting and they're very serious, very organized. <laughs> and uh, because the pressure is on, they, they have right. uh, a total of like 10 or 15 scenes and they have only one hour. And right. on purpose, I did not... I, I, I make sure people spend more time in the workshop where it's about communicating. Uh -huh. That's where the creativity uh, comes into play. Right. And the shooting is more the execution. Uh, so there is less time, there is a stress, but it's a good stress. And then the screen is just after. At some point in the press release for this, it said something about the roles. Like, you know, you believe in this, the power of this group coming together and everyone kind of playing these roles. How defined are those roles in this? People decide right at the beginning who's going to hold the camera. Okay. And it works for two reasons. Wherever you, we do the factory, we know that somebody will take care of the camera all the way through. It's not going to be left and taken away and so on. Because right. there is somebody who's responsible. And the same person will do the frame and the group decide who is going to be. It's not like so super important and people most of the time don't know each other, but right. they sort of find, figure out who's going to do that. Right. Uh, and... Uh, I noticed when my son was, uh, again, uh, like around 10, 12, uh, and uh, they, with his uh, uncle, who's my little brother, they would, uh, they would shoot uh, horror movies. The fight was not who's going to play this part. The fight was, was who's going to hold the camera. No so I, I wanted to make sure this is solved nice. right away. And, uh, but there is no director. That's a big difference with making uh, uh -huh, okay, uh, a film. And I really uh, want to stress that it is not an example of how a film is made. Yes, it's not a school yes. to make film or cinema. Uh, it's, uh, it's just an entertainment that you don't pay for and you don't buy. Uh, it's not right. Walt Disney. You don't spend money right. to corporation. Uh, you don't spend money, but you... Uh, create your own entertainment. You know what's funny about that? I find when I was describing this to someone, I felt like I found myself saying, you know how when you go to, you know, Disneyland or Universal Studios, they build, they spend millions of dollars to build up these experiences and rides that are all connected to the movie. This feels like Michel Gondry's version of that, where he's like, I'm putting mm -hmm. you in this thing and now experiment and play, but it's not curated. It's up to you to kind of make your own version of that. I mean, I love a Universal tour. I've done it uh, with my son again. I mean, keep, right. I keep talking about him. Uh, I've done it uh, maybe uh, six times with him. Uh, and I love it. In fact, when I did my first project of a big movie, who was a previous version of The Green Hornet, I wanted right. to shoot in all the sets that you can see <laughs> in the Universal tour. Earthquake, the Flood, awesome. the Western. Uh, so I really like that. Right. Just wanted to take a second to say thanks to Unbounce, the landing page builder for marketing teams and agencies, for sponsoring work mode 
and for allowing us to use their recording studio here in Montreal. Unbounce has a great podcast of their own for digital marketers. It's called Call to Action. You can check it out on iTunes and at unbounce.com slash call to action podcast. In another interview, I saw you talked about discovering the camera and how the camera became this tool that kind of unified a bunch of other things that you were playing oh, yeah, with when true, you were a yes. kid. And I feel like you're giving people the opportunity here who are not in film school and have not been doing this to discover how these tools, the tools that you're giving them, the sets and costumes and cameras and all these things, how maybe the other people will go through that discovery process. And then, of course, one of the last things that you worked on was Detour, which was all shot on an iPhone. And I wonder, do we have this in our pocket? In other words, like, is the tool there and ready and, and waiting for us to use? We just don't realize it kind of thing. Or do we need this? Do we need sets and and costumes and, and these other tools to fully realize, oh, I can do this? No, in fact, for to be honest, the costume and uh, the set, uh, they have more the tendency to make it look uh-huh. amateurish or naive. Right. <laughs> this guy's mind, there is a big rabbit at the moment in the, <laughs> in, in the factory. And uh, I've seen it already uh, too many times. Okay, I'm I mean, sure. it was two film and two rabbits. So <laughs> it, it, people like that because they get dressed and they, uh, it's part of the, the party in yeah, a way. Right. But it doesn't help the film. It doesn't push toward the top, the, the film. Right, right. Uh, and if there is too many rabbits in the movies, I'm going to kill <laughs> right. the rabbits. Nice. Uh, but I mean, people don't discover the camera in the film factory because they, it's exactly the same as what you have on your smartphone. Right, but that's uh, what I mean. There is this active discovery because you realize, wait, there's this, I'm just not using it in that way. It's available to me. Yeah. But maybe this shows me, oh, wait, I can think about this differently. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, now people are satisfied with very short clips, but mm-hmm. why not? I mean, uh, you can really tell a story and you have all the equipment uh, mm-hmm. that, that's available. Yeah. You talk a lot about putting yourself out there, so to speak. And I wonder, in this home video factory, do you, as people write these stories, is there advice on terms of how much of yourself to put into that? Does it matter, you know, like this idea that you're telling a story that you relate to or have been part of? Does it I matter? mean, uh, something I would tell to the participant? Yeah. No, uh, no, because it's not one person. It's a group, so it's hard to say. But it's true that I remember one time I had a guy walking on my shooting, he was doing the video assist. And he had done a short film. He wanted me to watch it and he made me swear I would tell him what I thought. <laughs> I like, and I like uh, that's horrible. I, like I hate that. <laughs> it's already it's painful to watch it. Right. But then you have to tell. And if, of course, you pray that so you're going to like a of piece course, of it. I know. At least something you can build around. Yes, please, right. to, uh, but nothing. It was right. horrible. <laughs> yes, nothing to. Were you honest? Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, I promise I will be. So I give him back his DVD and I say, well, I think it's a bit uh, average. Wow. You were, that's kind, though. I uh, it's courageous. Yeah. I tell you, to <laughs> say that to somebody is very courageous. I agree. Uh, and I say, he asked me for advice. Oh, man. Another thing, I have no idea what to say, but I have to say something. So right. I, I told him, find in your person what makes you different from everybody else oh, and nice. do a movie about that. Okay, nice. And uh, he applied my uh, advice, always 
tell this story because it's very flattering for myself. <laughs> <laughs> he it? applied my advice and he, uh, he won the prize in a festival. So oh, wow. That was a good one. Okay, well, that, I didn't see that coming. That's a, that's a pretty amazing outcome. But for the, to come back to your question for the homoeopathy factory, uh, no, I can't advise because uh, I'm, I'm not here for the whole. Uh, sure. uh, so it, it would not have any value. But what I do is I talk to the people who are helping around. I mean, there are people to make sure the, the group are not going the wrong direction or sure. things like that, but they don't have any uh, creative input. So I talk with them and they tell, we have a conversation and ask them uh, what was working, where it was not working, and then I can rewrite bits of the protocol. Uh, but one time we did, uh, because I felt it was too much a genre that right. was taking over, and I say, okay, there is a promotion, you have half an hour more of shooting if you do a documentary or realist movie without costume. Okay. So nice. I don't know if it really worked, uh, but I'm trying to encourage people. Last thing, Given the, how prolific you've been and in, in, in the amount of coverage you've had, you know, both in terms of type of project and type of movie even and budget and approach, is there, what's the thing that you, that you crave the most? If I look at you know, the music videos or, or the documentary work or some of the animation or, or fiction, what's, your, what's the things that you crave the most and you feel most To have a with? very nice girlfriend who okay. takes care of me. Amazing. That's, the, that's like the one piece I do of everything advice. to obtain that and it never works. Oh, I like By the time I, I achieve something, the girl is fed up with me and I can't impress her anymore. <laughs> Somehow the, the, the advice that your son had about drawing a line once and, and sticking with it seems to come back to mind. So that's my, that was what my takeaway will be. I will try to live with that rule in my mind. Oh, I have and another the, one. It was when I was my son's age, actually, or at the time, because now he's much older. Okay. But when I was 12, 13, I, I was drawing uh, on paper, and I, I was uh, good at drawing. Uh, and it was a comic book. It's called Lucky Luke. It's a Western oh, story from Belgium or France. I forgot. If it, I think it's French. And I was copying the Lucky Luke, the character on his horse. And I was pretty good, I think. But there is this guy that I didn't really know. He was an adult and he came to me. He said, it's good what you do, but you should never copy from an existing drawing. You should always copy from what you have in reality. Oh, wow. And that's one of the best advice I ever had. And I always re uh, remember it. Amazing. And I think for doing movies, it's the same. I never try to do Orson Welles uh, or uh, Hitchcock. I always try to do something that I... I see or imagine, uh, even if it's not as good. Amazing. Thank you so much. Merci beaucoup. Merci. I appreciate your time. Thank you. We are very grateful to have had the opportunity to speak to Michel Gondry today. Uh, a huge thank you goes out to the team at Chromatic, who organized the Montreal edition of Michel Gondry's L'usine de film amateur, or the Home Movie Factory. If you have comments about anything you've heard, you can always find us on Twitter at Work Mode Show. And for more information about Michel Gondry, you can follow him on Twitter at Michel Gondry. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Envision, Unbounce, and Cartier de l'Innovation, as well as our media partners, Mind Sparkle Mag. As always, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. Rate us on iTunes if you haven't yet. And I'd love to hear feedback. You can always visit our site for a complete show archive at workmode.show. This episode is brought to you by the world-class experimental laboratory Cartier de l'Innovation, an innovation ecosystem that aims to increase the city's creative potential located in the heart of Montreal. Montreal.